Bethlehem. Thank God for that. Psalm 119, verse 49. Psalm 119, verse 49 is where we'll begin reading in just a moment. And as always, the words will be on the screen. They're on the front of your worship guide. And, uh, of course, always in your copy of God's Word. But just want you to know that's available for you. Uh, so you'll be able to follow with us as we read the Word of God today. Traveling through this wonderful, long, long chapter, but so much uh, for us to learn as we grow to be more like our Lord. Amen. Psalm 119, verse 46, if you found your place and physically able, let's stand together in honor and reverence the reading of God's Word. Psalm 119, verse 49. Here's what the Word of God says. He says, Remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. This is my comfort and my affliction, for your word has given me life. The proud have me in great derision, yet I do not turn aside from your law. I remembered your judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. Indignation has taken hold of me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and I keep your law. This has become mine because I kept your precepts. Father, in the name of Jesus today, I pray you'd help us. God, help us to approach your word, your throne with open hearts. God, that we may receive truth today from your word. And Father, we may respond as the Spirit of God leads us today. God, may great things be accomplished through the faithful proclamation of your word. And may the Son of God be glorified in everything we do. In Christ's name, amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Today I'm speaking to you on the subject of advancement in adversity. Advancement in adversity. We know that encountering adversity is something that every person must expect and even anticipate throughout their life. Adversity comes to us during difficult seasons and difficult times of our life, and it often comes into our life through a variety of sources. Most of the time, we think of adversity as being something that is painful, but we also realize if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you realize that adversity, even though it may be painful, it is also very purposeful because it helps us to be conformed more to the image of God's dear Son that we might fulfill the purpose for which he's called us. I believe it's the presence of adversity in our lives that is used by the Lord uh, to do several things for us, but mostly to prepare us and to equip us for the challenges that are ahead. The challenges you're facing today, uh, you have been through some in the past and it prepares you for what you face today. What you're facing today will be used of God to prepare you for what lies ahead. So as we continue our journey through this 119th Psalm, we realize that adversity is the theme of his writing uh, over and over throughout this passage and throughout this chapter you will read the psalmist speaking of the adversity that he is encountering. And his approach to adversity helps us realize that we can persevere through difficult experiences through our journey with our Lord. Uh, this psalmist that is writing these words on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit was absolutely a godly man, 
but he was a godly man living in an ungodly world. If you're a follower of Jesus today, you know what that's like. You have principles, you have convictions that you stand by, and because of those principles and convictions, you realize that many times you're in direct opposition to the world. It's not because you're against the world, but it's because you're for the gospel. When you're for the gospel, it certainly will cause you to encounter adversity from the world. See, the psalmist needed God's help. He needed God's help in a big way that he might remain faithful so that he could overcome the frustrations in his life that resulted from the scorn and the ridicule of unbelievers. Ladies and gentlemen, I know we all come here today as people that need help from the Lord. We may need help from the Lord for a variety of reasons, but if you stand for Jesus, you will experience frustration in this life because as you stand for Him, you will experience scorn and ridicule from an unbelieving world, and we should not be surprised when we do encounter that. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, he said, Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, meaning that we would encounter adversity, we would have to endure afflictions, but that he would be able to advance us and move us forward even through times of adversity. So as we encounter adversity, God's word provides two things for us. It provides direction, but also find it provides encouragement for our journey. And I want you to know today, I do desire to help you with direction from God's Word. I do desire to help you with the instruction of God's Word. But I also deeply desire to encourage you with the fact that as you read and study God's Word and as you follow God, you are never, ever alone, regardless of what's going on around us. And I would think the church... The body of Christ needs to be reminded of that uh, in the days in which we live. So as we talk about advancement in adversity, I want to share with you a few things from the text today that I believe is going to help us understand how we can continue to move forward regardless of all that's in front of us. The first thing we notice in verses 49 through 51 is the remembrance of the word. In these verses, the psalmist begins this stanza by calling on the Lord to remember his promises to his servants. And he does so by talking to him about a compelling promise. In verse 49, you read there where the psalmist says, Remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. When we think of the word remember, we often think that that word refers to us being able to recall from our memory. Well, when it's applied to the Lord here in this verse, the word remember means something completely different. It's not calling on God to remember something from his memory bank because he is an omniscient, all-knowing God. He is sovereign over all creation, so it would be foolish to call upon God to remember something he might have forgot. As Adrian Rogers used to say, has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? Amen. He said there's one word in his vocabulary that we have that we don't have, and it's the word oops. He never makes a mistake. So the psalmist's not saying, Lord, I want you to dig deep in your mind and remember what you promised me in the past, but here's what that word means. It means when applied to the Lord, it means to pay attention to or to work on behalf of. He's saying, Lord, I want to personally plead for your attention 
I want to call your attention to my situation. And, and Lord, I'm asking you to work on my behalf. That's uh, amazing because I believe it's very important. He said, Lord, I want you to think of the things and move in situations that I am currently experiencing. So the word remember, as we said, doesn't mean to recall from memory, but here's what it refers to. It refers to how God relates to his people in a very special way. Now, God relates to his children differently than he does the rest of creation. You may hear well-meaning people say sometime that all people, everybody on the planet, is all of God's children. But ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that's not biblically correct. No, we are not all God's children. Just because you have been created doesn't make you a child of God. We are all God's creation, but to be a child of God, you must be born again. You don't become a child of God by nature of your physical birth. You become a child of God by, by way of your spiritual birth. Born again means born from above. We're born again when we repent of our sins and we trust Jesus as Savior and we commit our lives to His Lordship. That's being born again. To become a child of God, you must be born again. To go to heaven, you must be born again. Amen? We can't forget that. So it's important for us to understand that. And because maybe if you've made that decision in your life to make Jesus Christ Lord and you've repented of your sin and you've been born again, here's the good news. God deals with you in a special way. God deals with you in a special way because he has bought you with the blood of his dear son. Throughout scripture, God was always dealing with people uh, that followed him in a special way. In the Old Testament, God remembered Noah and he delivered him in, in Genesis chapter 8. Noah was a preacher of righteousness is what the New Testament says about him. But as a preacher of righteousness, he was preaching the word of God and he was pleading with people to listen. It's going to rain and it's going to flood the earth. Kind of foolish message because it had never rained. But for 120 years, he kept preaching that message and nobody believed him except his own family. Hey, at least his own family did, amen? And they believed him and, they, and those people were saved in the ark from the flood. God remembered him and delivered him. God remembered Abraham and delivered Lot from Sodom in Genesis chapter 19. And God remembered two special ladies in the Old Testament named Rachel and Hannah who were barren and they asked God to remember them and he enabled them to conceive and bear a child. David in his affliction, he asked the Lord to remember him and help him through his affliction and Job prayed for the Lord to appoint a set time to remember him. They were crying out for God to deal with them in a special way and to pay attention to their issue. The psalmist also declared that God's word caused him to hope. Well, I tell you, there's a lot of people losing hope out there today. You can almost see hopelessness in the eyes of many people. And you can see hopelessness when you stand before congregations. You can see hopelessness when you go to the grocery store. You can see hopelessness wherever you are because so many people are thinking, what's going on? What do we do? Well, the psalmist helps us today. See, hope has to do with the future, and it's all about looking forward and not looking backward. 
We started out this year, 2020, we said, hey, we're not turning back. We're not looking back. We're not packing up slow enough. We had no idea that 10 weeks into this year we would experience a national shutdown. What really tests your resolve to not turn back when you have that kind of stuff, amen? We have no reason to turn back, no, no plans to turn back. Why? Because our hope is in what's ahead and not what's behind. See, he had placed all his hope on the promises of God's word. He had placed all his hope on the sure foundation of what God has said. And hear me. In society today, people are looking for an authoritative word everywhere you go, and I want you to hear me. Authoritative words may come from every, many sources, but every source that they come from must bow before the ultimate authority of the Word of God. Don't ever forget that. It's very important you do so. John Phillips said this about this psalm. He said, in this psalm, we see the psalmist's hopes have been raised. The promised principles and precepts in God's Word meet a definite need in his life. I would imagine in this room today, everybody has some specific, definite needs that you need God's help in. And many of them, if God doesn't show up in those needs, there will be no help, there will be no hope. But ladies and gentlemen, he does show up. He is our source of help. He is our source of hope. And we can trust him in all circumstances. His promises, principles, and precepts will always meet the definite needs of our life. But maybe you come here today and maybe you've either lost hope or you're on the path to losing hope. It's kind of like the prodigal son. He didn't wake up one day and find himself in the pig pen. He got on the pig pen trail and he traveled the trail a while before he ended up there. He had a lot of opportunities to stop and turn around and quit going where he was going. But he got to liking the pig pen trail until he ended up in the pig pen. Maybe you're in danger of losing hope because you feel sometimes that it's just not worth it. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to hear me. If you've lost hope, in danger of losing hope, I want you to know you're right where the psalmist was in these verses we read today. He was in a place of severe affliction, was in danger of losing hope, but he found hope in the Word of God. He had a compelling promise. But notice another thing. He also found a comforting path in verses 15 and 51. You see, the pathway of following Christ is often difficult. It's not always easy. It's often filled with affliction, but here's the good news. When you're traveling with Jesus, you never travel alone. Amen? You think about all the times he showed up throughout Scripture when people needed him most. You see, the psalmist was repeatedly encountering affliction, and God's Word had become a source of main comfort for him from the attacks of the world. The word picture here in Psalm 119 in verses 50-51 is that in his affliction, hear me, he literally ran to the word of God. Sadly, in our culture today, many people are running from the word of God instead of running to the word of God. He ran to the word because he knew it was the word that would help guide him in time of trouble. See, even though we cannot determine with 100% accuracy all of the afflictions that the psalmist was encountering, it is clear that he was dealing with some ridicule from his oppressors. 
you've read it, what it says there in verse 51, I believe it is. He said, the proud have me in great derision. Uh, here's some other translations. It said, the, the insolent utterly deride me. The arrogant constantly ridicule me. The proud hold me in utter contempt. Here's what he's saying. The proud, the arrogant, the insolent, those of the world, they ridicule and hold me in utter contempt because of my stand for the word of God. Now, now hear me. If you stand for the word of God, you will experience the ridicule of this world. Young folks, I want you to hear me up in the balcony. If you stand for Jesus, and you don't do everything everybody else does, and you take a stand for what's right, and you might look like the other ball, you might be the one everybody makes fun of, but it'll be okay. Mom and Daddy, y'all help me. It'll be all right, won't it? Because when you get old like us, it don't matter no more. <laughs> Amen. But now hear me. I want to tell you this, but over your life, people will respect you. They will ultimately respect you even though they might initially ridicule you. They will respect you for standing for what's right even when they didn't. Here's what the psalmist said. They ridicule me, but what did he do? He demonstrated tremendous resiliency. See, regardless of their assaults, here's what he did. He stayed true to the instruction of the Word of God. He did not let his heart be moved from what God's Word said, regardless of all of the noise around him. Here's what I read this week. was really good. It said, God's Word is a clear compass through the chaos of affliction. Did you hear me? God's Word is a clear compass through the chaos of affliction. We need direction, ladies and gentlemen. The church needs direction. The world needs direction. The government needs direction. Can I get a witness? I'm telling you, there needs to be some direction in this world, and we need to be drawn back to the Word of God. Instead of trying to find answers everywhere else, God help the church to lead the way in saying, we will follow the Word of God. We will exalt the Son of God. We'll be filled with the Spirit of God, and we'll grab a hold of the horns of the altar of God and pray till God shows up. God, help us to do that today. Here's what the psalmist did. He learned to trust God through affliction. You and I are going to have to do the same thing. Regardless of the pain from his oppressors, he tapped into heaven. He tapped into a resource room that was bigger than this world could hold. And he received protection and preservation to be able to accomplish his purpose. Ladies and gentlemen, there was a remembrance of the word. But let's go a little further. Not only was there a remembrance of the word, but there was a remembrance of his judgments. Verses 52 through 54 teaches this, that the psalmist begins to recall the faithfulness of God in the past, which brings comfort to his present situation. Now look here, if you're struggling today, if you're in danger of losing hope today, I'm telling you, these next few minutes is going to be worth your trip to church, okay? Now listen to me. The psalmist is saying, wait a minute. I called on God to remember, but in verse 52 he said, I remembered. 
when I called on God to deal with me in a special way to pay direct attention to me but now I'm going back in my memory bank God don't have to do that but I do right so he said I remembered what did I remember your judgments of old <laughs> oh listen to me ladies and gentlemen it'll do you good to remember that he's faithful regardless of where you are let's walk through this together Remembrance of judgment. The first thing he talked about, verse 52, was regular meditation. Here's what Spurgeon said. Spurgeon said, when we see no present display of divine, it is wise to fall back on the records of the former ages, since they are just as available as if the transactions were yesterday, seeing that the Lord is always the same. Let me help you. Let me put it in today's language. Many times when I begin to wonder, can God show up today or will God show up tomorrow if I have one, I look back and see how he showed up yesterday. Are y'all with me? Has anybody ever just looked back and said, wait a minute, I remember when he showed up way back yonder. I remember when he showed up when I was down to nothing because when you're down to nothing, God must be up to something. Amen. And Spurgeon is saying when you begin to doubt him because you don't see nothing miraculous taking place, you don't see supernatural displays of his power, don't lose heart, my dear brothers and sisters. Here's what he's saying. Just remember he is working. You may not see it, but when you don't see it today, just remember when you saw it yesterday. How do you know, preacher? Tell me something from the Bible, preacher. Oh, I will. You remember a man named Moses? Couldn't talk plain, could he? Used every excuse he had. God raised him up. And raised him up and made him bold enough to go before Pharaoh and said, let my people go. He said, I can't talk plain. He said, I'll send your brother with you. He can. He says, I can't do this. Yeah, you can. And he raised him up and he led God's people out of bondage in Egypt and crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. I want to tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, God was there. God was moving. God used not only Moses, but after he died, he used a man named Joshua. And oh, when he used Joshua, he raised him up and said, Be of good courage, because as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. He raised him up and led his people on the conquest of the promised land, led them across the Jordan on dry ground just like he did at the Red Sea, across the Jordan on dry ground. They went across there and they began to get to a place called Jericho and he led them to victory at Jericho and impenetrable force, an impossible victory made possible because God showed up, amen? Not did he just show up for Moses, not only did he show up for Joshua, but he showed up for the man named Nehemiah and he used him to build the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days when the gates were burned oh he gave him a burden like he'd never had raised him up to do great things why because God was with him God used a young boy named Daniel to go into pagan Babylon and walk with God regardless of what was going on around him stayed true to God regardless of how they come after him even when they thrown him into a den of lions he stayed faithful to God and lived in there all night used lions for a pillow and got up the next morning and they threw all them old boys in there for telling on him amen God used those men you say wait a minute preacher that's just Old Testament stuff tell me something else oh I'm glad you asked we'll just move on we get the New Testament we see that God 
raised up a man named John. John the Baptist, you know him well. John the Baptist was used of God to preach one message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he preached that message and he preached that message and it's estimated that he baptized over 300,000 people. He preached and preached and preached until one day he saw the Son of God and he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He said, I must decrease that he might increase. And Jesus came and Jesus, he led a sinless life, 33 and a half years, bled and died on an old cruel cross for me and you. Oh yes, God became flesh and dwelt among us. Oh, but then God went further. He used an old stumbling, stumbling preacher named Peter who just kept stumbling over himself and messing up left and right. Oh, but God filled him with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and he raised him up and he preached that day and 3,000 souls were added to the church. He used another preacher named Philip to lead an Ethiopian eunuch in the middle of a desert to Jesus on his way uh, on his way through the desert. And then, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ in all of his glory, the Holy Spirit of God swept into that upper room on the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, it was the Holy Spirit of God that breathed life into the church. It was the Holy Spirit of God that gave substance to the church. And can I say to you today, that same Spirit not only raised Jesus from the dead, that same Spirit lives in every believer. And that same Spirit that breathed life into the church on Acts, in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost is the same Spirit that will breathe life into the church again. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, hear me. Just because you don't see it going on now, just remember what you saw in the past and let's trust Him to do it today. Let's trust Him to do it tomorrow. Let's trust Him to do it next week. Let's trust Him to do it next month. Let's trust Him to do it next year. Let's just trust Him to show up and be bring glory to His church. God, help us. God, help us. Woo! Let's just trust Him. Ladies and gentlemen, our circumstances will change, but God's Word is permanent. The Bible says it is forever settled in heaven. And the psalmist remembered something very particular. Notice, he said he remembered his testimonies of old. Do you know what those words literally tell us? That his testimonies stood the test of time. Regular meditation. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, please meditate on the word of God. Notice with me also there was righteous indignation, verse 53. Verse 53, notice what he said. Indignation is taking hold of me. Wait a minute. Is the psalmist mad? <laughs> you ever read that? Is he ticked? <laughs> well, if he's mad, then that's wrong, preacher. You, you know, Christian people ain't supposed to get mad. You ever hear that? <laughs> well, I tell you, anger is not a sinful emotion. It's how you behave when you get angry. I, for years, even as an adult, struggled when I say with anger. I mean, I wasn't like kicking stuff and everything else. I'm not, I'm not explosive anger, nothing like that. I'm not that kind of person. But uh, 
I didn't want to deal with anger at all. I didn't want to express any anger. I didn't ever want anybody to see me angry about anything. I didn't want to do anything to look like something stirred me up a little bit of water because I felt like if I did that I wasn't being spiritual or I wasn't being faithful to God and I was giving into the flesh and all that kind of stuff. And I had to realize it. I had to learn through a process that anger is a healthy emotion because a lot of you probably like me, you grew up hearing the word anger. That meant somebody was fixing to bleed, right? I mean, somebody's going to get a whooping. When you saw anger, you heard the word angry or mad, and that's not what all it means. It's healthy to allow anger to, to, to be, to come out of us, but it's what we do when we come out. And here, here's the difference, and I can help you with that. Was the psalmist angry? Yes. But he was angry, and some translations even use the word horror. He was angry and horrified, but he was angry for a righteous reason. See, he was heartbroken over those who were forsaking God's law. Here's what Wearsby said. Anger alone can be very destructive. Now, this is going to be worth your trip too, okay? Stay with me. Anger alone can be very destructive, but anger plus love produces anguish, and anguish can lead to constructive action. Anger by itself is destructive, but anger plus love produces anguish, and anguish can lead to constructive action. That's good stuff. I didn't say it. Wiersbe said it. I'm just quoting him. I'm telling you, that is good stuff because he understood this. He had anguish in his soul over the fact that those who ridiculed him and opposed him were unbelievers and they were forsaking the word of God and because of that, they were in danger of spending eternity in hell. Does it bother you that people are going to hell? Does it bother you that people are actually going to burn in a lake of fire for all eternity? It should. I told them earlier. I was out in the yard the other night. I told them it wasn't really night. It was only like five minutes after five. <laughs> I like long daylight days. Anybody with me? I like days where, I mean, maybe I need to get on the equator or something where it's like, you know, 15 hours of daylight every day. I don't know. Might be too hot there. I don't know. Anyhow, 5 o'clock. And I said, I was out in my yard, so I said, if you want to turn me in, I know it's on the lower world wide well. I've got a burn barrel in my yard. <laughs> and uh, I'm not burning household garbage that on anybody, you know, like, oh, he's an environmental catastrophe, man. You know, I, I'm not a tree hugger. You know, I'm not, I'm not into all that. I'm going to take care of things. And I, you know, I cut grass and things like that. And cut. I take care of things, but I'm not one of these people that's like, you know, in love with, you know, trees and leaves and bugs and stuff. I mean, I'm just not a leaf lover or a tree hugger. But, you know, so I've got some boxes. Because, you know, here in the city, in the city, <laughs> we get one trash can a week. And I got three girls in my house. You know what? It takes more than that. When you get all these boxes, when FedEx and people from Amazon show up on a regular basis, you get a bunch of boxes, right? Y'all yeah, don't have any of that, right? Because I'm not a, I told them I never was an online shopper, but I'm learning. Uh, I, but uh, anyhow, so I got these boxes. So I'm, I, I don't want to get rid of them because uh, they, there's too many. So I'm burning them in my burn barrel. Somebody tell me, thing. we're going to turn you into the mayor. I said, well, I got the barrel from the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, he, 
he didn't know what I was going to use it for, but anyway, to his defense. <laughs> but I was burning these boxes, and here's my point. If you've burned cardboard, and you know, and there's some other stuff I burned too, because I'm not a hoarder by no means, but I mean, I, I could keep things, in, uh, and, and I had some boxes, and Angie and I got married in 1990, and uh, I, when you've got your phone bill from 1990, you probably should let go of that, right? So I, so I had some boxes that had old bills in it and stuff, so I was burning them. And if you burn a bunch of paper, you know this, when it burns, it gets real hot. And that barrel gets hot. And you throw a little water on the side, it just turns the steam real quick. It gets hot on. It gets hot. And as I looked at it the other night, and it was dark outside, and it was burning, and it got hotter and hotter, and my heart began to think about people who reject God and who are going to spend eternity in a literally burning, falling, bottomless pit. And, 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 and I, my heart just began to be stirred, and I started just to pray right there. I was like, God. Help me to never lose a passion to tell people about you. Help me never lose a passion to be concerned about the least of these. Help me never forget that there are people that are literally perishing right before my eyes and this is their destiny. Don't let me ever forget that, ladies and gentlemen, because it's a danger when we do that. And we ought to be horrified at the destiny of so many unbelievers in our world. It ought to break our heart. And if it doesn't break our heart, then that means our hearts are becoming callous. It means we're becoming inwardly focused and it means it's all about us and we put ourselves on the throne instead of God on the throne it's a dangerous place when you don't care about people who are dying and going to hell amen I think so so was the psalmist fed up yeah he was fed up he was upset but he was most fed up with the fact that he was heartbroken anguish over lost people but then he responded with resounding motivation. Look at that in verse 54. I, I think this is awesome. He, he said, your statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. Here, here's what happened. He went from having a time of meditation to his heart being broken in indignation and anguish to now he's experiencing a time of resounding motivation. Now he's worshiping God. He's singing. Do y'all ever just break out in a song sometimes? <laughs> y'all don't do that? Thank you, Steve. I knew you did. The best way to spread Jesus' cheer is singing loud for all to hear. <laughs> y'all heard that somewhere with one word change, right? Buddy the Elf, the great theologian, right? <laughs> no. But so, I mean, there are times you've been in the presence of God. You know, I mean, one, some of my favorite places is my truck in the shower. I would just sing random songs in the shower. I was in there other day, my baby, it makes me proud. Lord, don't you know? And she's like, what song is that? I said, oh, baby, that's a great hymn. Right? Yeah, but I, I just, you know, just, but here's the deal. The psalmist said, wait a minute. In my time of meditation, in my time of anguish and indignation, it moved me to a time of motivation. It moved me to worship. Here's what will help you. Adrian said it best. He said this. He said, we don't go to church. We bring our, I mean, he said, we don't go to worship. We bring our worship with us. Do y'all hear people sing these songs? I'm going to get my worship on. I'm going to sing my favorite song. You know, they talk like worship is something you go to the closet, you put the coat on, and here's my worship coat. Now I'm a worshiper. 
No, no, that doesn't make you a worshiper. Here's what will help you. If you will spend time in meditation, it'll move your heart to indignation and anguish before God. And then you'll worship God personally. You'll worship God individually. And then when you get to this place on Sunday and you worship God corporately, you'll not be able to contain the praise and the glory that will flow through your soul because you've been with Jesus. Help us to understand that. He broke out singing. Oh, this is a good statement. Wherever the psalmist went and whatever he faced, God's word tuned his heart for worship. Here's my prayer for you this week, okay? Because here's what I know. All of you are going to face great challenges this week. Do you know why I know that? We've been facing great challenges. We're going to continue to face great challenges. So as you do, here's my, here's my prayer for you. Is that regardless of what it is, that God will use your adversity, God will use your affliction to tune your heart for worship. It'll help you. Then notice with me in verse 55, remembrance of his name. He said, I remember your name. In the night, O oh Lord, and I keep your law. Huh, two things. He begins with faithful contemplation. Here's what he's saying. I remember you. And he uses these two words, the night, in the night. That's pretty significant. Here's what that's referring to. It's referring to a specific period of adversity. We all know what it's like to have a dark night. We all know what it's like to have a dark week or longer. But let's just talk about a dark night for a minute. You ever woken up, still dark outside, long before your alarm is going to go off, and you wonder these words, what am I doing waking up? Y'all know I need beauty. If, if sleep makes you beautiful, I need to sleep a lot, Right? And just looking out there, maybe y'all need a little more too. But anyhow, here's the deal. <laughs> but we know what it's like to wake up. And, you know, and over my journey with the Lord, I've realized that many times when I wake up, it's not an accident. Sometimes he just wants to talk to me. And he wants my full attention. He don't want me thinking about a text he don't want me thinking about an email. He don't want me thinking about a sermon. He don't want me thinking about anything else. He just wants directly my attention. And I hope that he does that for you because this, this will help you. And in those times, I've realized sometimes it's just times I just lay, talk to the Lord and not even move. Sometimes he moves me up and takes me to the kitchen table and with my Bible and my journal. And, and some days I just sense him say, you might want to just go ahead and hit that coffee pot. This is going to take a while, boy. You need some work, right? But can I tell you, some of the sweetest, most powerful times have been those times in the night. Can I tell you, those were times often of great adversity. Junior Hill was preaching on this years ago, and I'll never, never forget what he said. He said, there's many nights that we go through 
where things are long and difficult and hard. And he said, no matter how hard you try, you cannot hurry the night. You ever been awake at night like that before and said, Lord, I just wish the sun would hurry up and come up so I can just go ahead and get on with my day. Uh, you know, I just, I just, Lord, hurry the night. Well, since March, we've been living in a night. Is anybody ready for it to hurry up and be over with? Okay, good. Y'all woke up on that one. All right, okay, look here. I am so ready for it to hurry up and be over with. I mean, don't y'all want it to get back to where you can pull up at a store and go in and not think, oh gosh, I forgot my mask, and everybody's looking at me like I'm like I'm you know terrible. I mean, when do you don't you want it to just be where you can just go to a ball game or go to the show or go to the store and just not have to think about all this extra equipment? I'm ready for that night to be over with. I bet you are too. But we can't hurry the night. For some reason, and only eternity will reveal what the reason, what the purpose. God has us in this night, and here's what he's saying. He's trying to talk to us. Here's my concern. is as he talks to us, are we stopping long enough to listen or are we just telling him, please hurry up and get the night over with? The psalmist said we have to be faithful in our contemplation. Then finally, he has focused concentration. Look at verse 56. This has become mine. Talking about the law of God, the word of God. This has become mine because I've kept your precepts. Here's how it's also translated. This has become mine, not just because I kept your precepts, but this is how I spend my life, obeying your commandments. Hear me now. Stay with me. The psalmist said, I'm going to spend my life. I'm going to invest every second of my life obeying your commandments. Listen, regardless of how long the night lasts, I've heard people say this all my ministry, and I want to leave you with this today. You know what? Man, Jesus Christ is a major part of my life. That's what they'll tell me. And they go say, you know, Jesus Christ is first in my life. Some would even go so far and say, well, man, He's not just a major part. He's not just first. Jesus Christ is the best part of my life. And you would probably say, well, isn't that great? Can't you celebrate with them, preacher? But really, I can't. And I'm going to tell you why I can't. Because in every one of those sentences, Jesus is referred to as a part. It's either major part, first part, or best part. But here's something you need to leave here knowing today. Jesus Christ will never, ever settle or be satisfied with being a major, best, or first part of your life. He will only settle, if you will use that word, for being your life. 
you got to take the word part out because he is not part of anything. And as we travel through this night, ladies and gentlemen, we must travel through this night knowing that Jesus Christ is our life. Because if he's anything less, then he's out of place. And as we travel through this night, we never need to travel through this night with him in any other place than being out front, in charge. We can advance through adversity but we have to do it the way we just learned from the psalmist today. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I just want to thank you for your word today. God, thank you for how it speaks to my soul. How it reminds me of how small I am, how big you are. Reminds me of how sinful I am, how holy you are. Reminds me that even though it's dark from where I can see, God, your light still shines brightly through your people, through your word, and is a tremendous witness to an unbelieving world. God, we know that we'll experience ridicule. We know we'll experience these things because we stand for you and we stand for your truth. But Lord, we know we never stand alone. We know we never travel alone. We know that you're always with us. And you're always leading and guiding us. Father, I want to pray right now for those in this room that may be on a path of losing hope. God, I want to pray for those that may come today feeling like they've already lost hope. God, I want them to realize today that through you, there is an everlasting hope that's looking forward and not backward. God, help us as we move forward. God, that we would be faithful to trust you in all things. God, help us to realize that regardless of the adversity, God, we can trust what you've done in the past. We can trust what you're doing today. And we can look forward to what you're going to do tomorrow. We pray it all in Jesus' sweet and holy name. Amen and amen. Amen. I want you to look this way just a moment or two before we dismiss today. A couple things I want you to know before we leave out. Don't forget, pray much in the coming week. As I told you, we got plans, but we don't know how things could change on us. So just pray much if there's any change into the printed schedules that you have uh, you'll be notified immediately through social media email calling posts anything like that our family de our deacon family guys will help us with their zones so we're, we're going to do everything we can to communicate lord willing we can just keep moving right on but uh, we are always aware that there's always a possibility things will change but we pray not pray for our brothers and sisters i have so many brothers and sisters that are dealing with uh uh, COVID-19 uh, it's um, churches that are affected many have had to back of such large outbreaks in their church they've had to back up for a few weeks and start over again and, and I pray we don't have to do that but we're just uh, pray for them because I, it's so hard to keep 
It's been such a, uh, a test of resiliency on all of us, all of us through this year. So we're going to continue to pray for that. Don't forget as you leave out today that offering buckets are at both doors. You can give on give online if you choose to do that through our website or tithe.ly or you can mail in. Some are still doing that and that's fine as always. Uh, offering envelopes for 2021, if you haven't picked yours up yet, they're in the Welcome Center. Uh, copies of the devotion, the great Christmas gift devotions are there. Uh, if you haven't picked those up yet, uh, please do so. Uh, we appreciate your support of that. And let's be faithful to give throughout this month in December. Let's finish the year strong. Let's don't back up, slack up, or pack up till he takes us up. Amen. Uh, but what we're in, it will end. But it, like I said, it'll either end by God bringing an end to it or God will bring us to be with him. And either way is fine with me. Amen. So I just want you to know how much we love you. God loves you. I love you. There's not a thing you can do about it. Amen. Let's stand together. Brother Marty's going to sing us out.